0: I'm glad you're here. Um, Today I want to do some just looking at the whole area of being willing to serve. That's one of the things that is natural to the North American English-speaking people. We are not servants as readily as some other nations and I'm going by what some of the evangelists some missionaries have said their experience in other lands it seems as if in in North America English country we um, we want to be the head honcho many times a higher percentage of the people that are available would like to be the manager rather than a servant whereas some other nations that they've told me about The people are quite anxious to serve and there's not near as many that want to take the responsibility of leading. And so my desire tonight is to give you the, the aspects from the scripture of what serving is all about. I want to talk about the blessing of having a right attitude, a right heart towards serving. And I'm trust when I'm finished, you'll be able to say to yourself, I really need to set my heart in a different place when it comes to serving. So I'm hoping that somewhere tonight I'll reach the hearts of some people here that are probably not doing anything in serving because you've been waiting for your big moment to break into ministry. But I think that to break into ministry, we first of all have to learn to serve. And so let's look at it Acts chapter 6 just to give a foundation of what we're teaching here in those days when the number of disciples was increasing the increasing Jews among them complained against a Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food so the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables let me give you just a bit of an explanation we need to understand what God's calling us to and these men were saying we have been doing a lot of the, the footwork around here the working to um, uh, meet people's needs looking after food distribution making sure that homes are secure and we are depriving ourselves of what God has called us to do, and that is prayer and the study of His Word and ministering out of that. And so that's what they were calling for. So this proposition pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip and and one, two, three, four, five, six other guys, and they um brought them into a place of serving so let's talk about that in verse 3 they set down a standard for where they're supposed to be as far as qualifications as far as knowing what these people are like and so they say choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom now, when I was reading that, I thought that is very interesting because we we would say a man who's full of the Holy Spirit, a man who has lots of wisdom, would be someone who should be the senior pastor or the head of the ministry, but they were looking for people filled with the spirit, full of wisdom, in order to do the, the, let me call it the mediocre, the the normal scrubbing floors, the cleaning of the bathrooms, whatever it might've been, they were looking for people that qualified by being filled with the spirit and having the wisdom of the spirit. So that was interesting. And it said, we will turn this responsibility over to them. That is the waiting and tables. That's what they describe it. And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So there's a, a need here for someone to fill in a vacuum that was happening as the disciples, the apostles primarily, were moving up into positions of need, of discipleship, teaching, all the things that come from the ministry, and they needed to have that lower echelon of duties filled. And so they laid down the standard, which I think should apply to everyone working in the church. I don't care how important your job or how simple or, as some people might see it, insignificant is your job we need to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit and we need to have the wisdom of the Lord to do what we're doing if it's scrubbing floors the wisdom of the Lord can give us the best way to do it and allow us to be very effective where we're working and so that's interesting that they had such a high standard just to wait on tables as the scripture calls it And then on top of that in chapter sets chapter pardon me verse number six they presented these men to the Apostles now listen who prayed and laid their hands on them now I don't know if it's ever occurred to you but after studying this I feel a bit as if we lack something in our ministry when we had people come as volunteers or even on staff to do secretarial administrative house cleaning cutting the grass cleaning away the snow in the winter whatever it might have been i don't think it ever dawned on us to lay hands on these people and and pray god's commissioning on them to do the work that we expected them to do but that's what the apostles did. They prayed for them, laid hands on them. And by the way, the laying on of hands was a transferring of the Holy Spirit from the person in authority to the person who is coming into that position. And so I'm not sure now whether verse number seven ties together with verse number six, but I highly suspect that it does. Listen to it. Because they laid hands on these people and prayed for them. It says in verse 7, so the word of the Lord spread. I think that's because the apostles are now free to do more evangelizing, more teaching, more preaching. Because somebody had taken up the, the, the duties that were down below them. Somebody that could probably come in there and wipe off the tables after mealtime and say, I am helping to see those people out there saved and discipled. I am giving myself to seeing the ministry of people being ushered into the kingdom of God. Anybody who is serving, regardless of that position needs to have in their minds that we are supporting the work of the kingdom. We're not just working for some guy who heads up a ministry or a pastor who heads up a church. We're working for the kingdom of God. And regardless of how low you think that job might be, we need to understand that God doesn't see it that way. I'll show you that in a few minutes. It says a large number of people. It in, they increased. People are being saved. Now, a large number of priests were obedient to the faith. Now, that's something that was unusual. When Jesus walked on this earth and, pre- and preached, very few priests that I can find in his ministry really wanted to serve the Lord and see him as the Messiah. But now that the Holy Spirit has come, which makes a big difference, we see ma- a large number of priests. A number of disciples increased, and a number of priests were obedient to the faith. It has something to do with a willingness, a way down the chain of command for people who are saying to themselves, I am important to the kingdom of God. I am here to support and to give strength to the kingdom of God. And those people out there being saved, those priests that are coming into faith, I realized I had a part of that to assist in the work of the Holy Spirit. It gets more exciting. Now Stephen, we focus on him, starting in verse 8, a man full of God's grace and power As a result of that, look what happened. He performed great wonders and signs among the people. I've never really seen this happen, but the lady that's mopping the floor after some people been through with their muddy boots on, and somebody walks by that It's obvious they have a problem for her to put that mop up and say, sweetheart, I'd like to pray for you. I don't know what's wrong, but the Lord has just shown me that what happened to you has done a lot of damage. Can I pray for you? I would like to see that. And it is possible because these people are filled with the spirit. Now for that to happen, we need to have some servants mopping floors, cleaning toilets, that recognize, I am part of the work here, I am an important part of the work. And you see, to say to to themselves, I am important, therefore, I can see people being saved, people being discipled, people being healed and delivered, I can see that, I am a part of that. But none of that's going to happen in your mind until you get an attitude that says, in God's eyes, I'm important here. Nothing is going to happen as far as miracles are concerned, wonders and signs, at least in your life, if your attitude is rotten. If you say, what am I doing, doing this? That person there gets all the glory. Nobody ever notices me. I never get that from Stephen. I get from him that he was just waiting on tables, and somebody needed prayer, and wonders and signs started to happen as a result of what he was doing. The key is a right attitude that's saying, whatever I am doing, how important in man's eyes or how." Low in man's eyes. I'm not care. I don't care at all. It's what's in God's eyes. And you see, as as any servant would say to himself, I know I'm serving the Lord, and I delight in serving the Lord. I wake up in the morning excited that I can go in and clean toilets and serve the Lord. And I believe great signs and wonders could happen among the people. In most ministries or churches that I've been involved in, one of the most common problems is down the chain of command, as people feel less and less important, there's grumbling and complaining, and a self pity that that complains to get somebody else to say pity things for me, too, you see. How is the Holy Spirit supposed to move in that? The answer is he won't. He moves where there's a pure heart and clean hands. Well, when Stephen started to do some miracles, he got Satan's attention. It says in verse 9, Opposition arose from members of the synagogue of the freedmen. They don't sound very free to me if they don't like what the Spirit's doing. Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the Spirit by which he spoke. So there's. What the apostles were looking for, spirit and wisdom, is now coming out of this man. You see, if he'd had a bad attitude about serving, when these people came and opposed him, he probably would have said to them, well, things aren't as rosy as it looks. I have to do all this media overwork. They get all the attention. People that get saved hug them and they don't hug me. But he didn't do that. He was in trouble, and it says that his wisdom and his, the spirit within him, they couldn't argue with it. He was definitely a man of right attitude, right disposition. He was in a place of serving the Lord. It didn't matter where it was, he was serving the Lord. One of the nice things about many Christians, when you talk to them, I like to hear them say, I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be, I'm where I'm supposed to be. And that doesn't always mean at the top. Many, many people that I know that are down here in all these different levels, I'm where I'm supposed to be. And they're much happier, they're content because they've made a decision I didn't say they're going by their feelings. I said they made a decision to be content in whatever place I'm in. Paul said that. I am content wherever I am. He wrote that from prison. And so when they couldn't stand up against that, in verse 15 it said he had the face of an angel. Oh, how I wish our ministry, And how I wish your ministry and all the ministries were filled with people that had faces like angels. Now, the face of an angel came up because he was being challenged by the enemy. But you see, it would be so easy for pity to sit in when you're being accused of something and start to compromise, start to back off so they wouldn't find so much fault with you have a little bit of criticism for the leadership just to know things aren't perfect. But Stephen didn't do that. You don't get a face of an angel with a critical spirit. And so there was the shock that must have gone through his accusers. What is going on with these people? From verses 9 to 14, he was accused by jealous, insecure people that couldn't find a way in to try to stop the miracles and the work that he was doing. God was victorious. He was always victorious. It's, angel, it's angels, you know, Revelation 22.9. The angel in, to John, who was on the Isle of Patmos when he was writing this, the, he, he, he wanted to worship them. And the angel said to him, do not do it. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and of all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Now what was the angel doing? How many here would like to be like an angel? Okay, three. No, I understand. That's better. How many would like to be like an angel? Well, see, angels are angels because they're servants. They're called as messengers. They're called to serve us, God's people. We are called a little lower than the angels, and Jesus was called a little lower when they made him into a man. But you see, the angels who are above us are still our servants. So regardless of where you are, from the top to the bottom, the bottom to the top, our call is to serve one another, to be thankful. Now, I'm maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I I haven't been in trouble for some time. So but it's common for people to from the pulpit or from a podium to remind their people that I'm a servant. And I say to myself, If he truly was a servant, wouldn't I notice it without being told? I say to myself, show me that you're a servant. If you're up here, show me that you're a servant. Anyway, I better not elaborate on that, or I'll start to condemn myself because I haven't been perfect in that area either. But it's important that we begin to realize we are servants. And as angels, as servants, don't strive to be known. As a matter of fact, when when Jacob wrestled with him, he said, what's your name? And the angel said, it's not important what my name is. We have to make a choice to have a servant's heart. It's a choice. It's an attitude that we choose. Let's look at Matthew 20, verse 26. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. You want to be great? Become a servant. I'm not talking about telling people you're a servant. I'm talking about acting as if you're a servant. Put it into action. Forget the words. Put it into action. And again in Matthew 23, verse 11, he says something the same thing. The greatest among you will be your servant. So the guy down here, Stephen... He's doing signs and wonders. He's getting into trouble. As a matter of fact, there's so many signs and wonders, and the enemy was so upset they killed him. He's the greatest. He's willing to die for his Savior. Doesn't matter what he was doing, mopping up or anything. It's the fact that he had an adder that said, I know I'm part of the kingdom. I will not back down for anybody. I will not compromise. I will do what the Lord has called me to do. He's, I've had hands placed on me. I've been blessed by the leadership. I am here to serve. I want to go to a story that Jesus told. Um, Luke chapter 17 starting at verse 7. This is one of his parables. Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my dinner, get yourself ready, wait on me while I eat and drink, and after that you, may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? And the answer is no, he wouldn't. So you also, when you have done everything you are told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. Now picture this guy. He comes in after a hot day out in the field. His master has probably been sitting under a yum-yum tree somewhere, drinking iced tea. And he's, when it's mealtime, this servant then has to clean up, prepare some food, get the master sitting down, look after him all the time he's eating. And then when he's done eating, I'm sure he has to show him where his toothbrush is. And then he probably has to find his teddy bear and tuck him into bed. Who knows what all he has to do. And then this servant, when he's done everything, He can sit down and eat something himself, but he does it without grumbling, without complaining. He simply says, no, no, this is what I'm supposed to do. Because in his old flesh, his flesh is saying, you need to complain, you need to rebel, you need to get a different job. And he argues with his old flesh because the spirit wants to influence your decision maker, your soul. The flesh is trying to make its decision, but the spirit is saying, no, no. You are doing what you're called to do, do it with the right attitude. And you see, this servant, he was called to do some very unreasonable things. He must be willing to take one thing on top of another, put upon him without any consideration being given to him. In other words, the master never thanks him, doesn't do anything. it tells him what to do. By the way, I'm taking this from a book. It's called The Calvary Road, These Five Things, by Roy Hessen. He's a man that, he may still be alive. The book isn't that old, but it's a powerful book on denial of self, death to self, and that. So the second one is he must be willing to do this without being thanked. How many times have you said to yourself, well, I don't know why I'm doing this. Nobody ever thanks me. Nobody appreciates See, that's a rotten attitude. If you are where God's called you to be, be thankful that he has given you the air, the breath, the, the nutrition to deal with what you're supposed to do because you're working in his kingdom. Number three, he must not charge the other with selfishness. This, this servant could not look at his master and say, well, you're selfish, he could not. He, we must confess we have no rights. That's a big one for me. I have no rights. The kingdom of God says this, the wages of sin is death. That's what I deserve is death. We must admit that doing all this, we have not done one stitch more than it was our duty to do. That's from Calvary Road, Roy Hassan. And then the, here's the blessing Jesus said, When he's talking about servants, it will be good for those servants who master finds them watching. Watching has a a prayer thing about it, but it also has a complacency and a a willingness to do something that's unusual. Like the man, the watchman on the wall, doesn't have very much company probably, but he's willing to do it for the protection of people. Truly I say to you, Jesus said, he will dress himself, that's Jesus, will dress himself to serve. We will then recline at the table, and He will come and wait on us. I personalize that a bit. Do you understand? Jesus said, if you're a faithful servant, I'm going to come and serve you. What an awesome promise. Then He also said in John 15, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called your friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. I think what the Lord is saying there is that if you're a servant and you're doing well and you're blessing people around you with the right attitude, a right heart, I'm gonna call you my friend. It's almost like a promotion in the kingdom. It may not be a promotion there on earth. A promotion in the kingdom to be called a friend of God. Abraham was called a friend of God. Moses was called a friend of God. I want to be a friend of God. I will trust you to, too. In Luke 17, that story I just read about the servant out in the field, the disciples have said, increase our faith. Jesus told them the story of the servant. Serving can increase your faith. So thank you, Father. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for the work of your spirit, Lord God. And thank you for all the the times that, that you have blessed us because we had a right heart and a right attitude. Thank you for all the times that you have worked in us in order to get our attitudes right and our minds right so we could serve you with a willing heart and not lay charge against anyone when we serve them without thanksgiving and without any praise i want to thank you lord because you have from your word taught us at this time that serving you and serving those around us those that we're called to serve that you're willing to take your robes off, put on your apron, and come and serve us. And Lord, we need that servant. We do need it. And we thank you and praise you. So Lord, bless your name. Amen. Visit our website at jwmi.ca to find out about more information of our ministry.